go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it never turns back void. Thank you for each and every person here, Lord. I uh, just pray for uh, the kids' ministry as well, that you would just uh, pour your spirit out upon our children. Pray for those that couldn't make it today, uh, that you'd be with them, Lord. And God, ultimately, we just need to fall in love with you, Lord. And uh, so help us to trust you. Um, until we trust you, Lord, we, it's hard. So, Lord, just help us to trust you. And uh, just thank you, Lord. Get me out of your way. Just praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, we're still in Romans chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 6 through 11 today. I'm going to do a little bit different, and, and I'm going to try and do this more often to break chapters up more instead of going through a whole chapter. I, sometimes I... See, I read through a chapter, I'm like, there's no break in Paul's thought of what he's teaching through here or what another book of the Bible, not necessarily Paul. Paul wrote Romans, but he didn't read, write everything. So, But anyway, so uh, we're going to do uh, verses 6 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the table. Um, and I know we're set up a little bit different than last week because uh, we had the Women's Fellowship yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, so this isn't how it's going to be next week um, unless... People are like, we want the tables back, and there's a riot then maybe, but um, otherwise we're going to, I like it this way. It's kind of cool. How do you guys like it? You like this? I was more concerned. I think I'm going to get a cot, though, for those that slouch, but I'm just messing with you, Atreyu. No, but I was wondering, you know, I was worried about these chairs right, these chairs right here. I was worried that people's backs would be towards me, and it would be awkward, and that would be like me like this, you know. Yeah, so let's go ahead um, and read uh, Romans 5, 6 through 11. I'm going to read the verses this time through, and then we'll um, go through it and see what God wants to teach us through it. So Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I'm going to pray again. Jesus, thank you for your word. And uh, just uh, may you be honored and glorified and just teach us as you see fit today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see here that Paul's continuing to, you know, we're going through this letter and he's uncovered a lot of um, um, rebuttals that uh, the Jews would have had in regards to the gospel being okay for those that were Gentiles. And so he really debunked all of the different uh, things that they would have kind of gone through in their mind, like we're the family of Abraham and the, the Gentiles aren't, and, and really, you know, that, that, that God imputed his righteousness to Abraham because of Abraham's belief in God, because Abraham trusted God. Abraham took God at his word. And so last week we kind of went over that, and we need to take God for his word you know, at, at his word. And, and, and this whole kind of chapter goes over really what the benefits are as being a, for, it, it, that we gain really from the Lord being a believer. 
And so we see here in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And so I want us to take these verses that we're going to go through today, and we're going to expound on them. It says, when, when did Christ die for you and I? We, we really need to understand this. It's important for us to understand that when he died for us, what state were we in? And, and this kind of gets into um, when certain parts of Scripture... Um, if you think about it, Christ, if you, if you look at John 3, 16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? So <clears throat> those types of verses, the Bible's not constrained by a clock or a calendar or a date and time. And so when we see here for when we were still without strength, it's a statement of fact for human beings as a whole not for just those that were in Rome at the time that were reading this letter. It's all of mankind. And when we see here in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It's amazing. The when, di when did Christ die for you and I? Was it when we were perfect? It's a good question to ask because a lot of times we think, you know, that we need to be something more than what we are for God to love us. So did Christ die for you when you were perfect? When we had all of it together, did he die for you? Where we read when, where, where, where we read here in this first verse, when we were still without strength, this shows that while we were weak and helpless, absolutely 100% incapable to make happen what needs to happen in our lives to save us from the impending doom of hell, we literally are without strength as it pertains to this. It is impossible for you and I to gain heaven without Jesus. And in fact, if you think about the way the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to write this, it is that Christ died for mankind when we were in our weakest and we are our weakest pertaining to God when we're without him. There's nothing we can do. Our, our, our strength, we have no capability to gain what God wants to do in our life, except it's through Jesus. We have to come to the place in our life that it is Christ and Christ alone and nothing else. And so even in verse six, we see that when we were still without strength, it's, it's just, it's so imperative for us to understand that as human beings in the sight of, we, we really are without strength. And it should put us in a place of humility, you know, being humble allowing ourselves to have God be the God of our life, to be the Lord of our life. When we come to the end of ourselves, and when we come to the place of really understanding that we are literally without strength before a holy and true God and powerful God, then we can receive what he wants to give us. Until we come to the end of ourselves, we're just going to be kind of, okay, God, I get this, but I'm going to still do this. While we're while we are all, while we were, sorry, my writing is messing me up because I have like three W words right in the middle here. While we were, while we were in the state of helplessness in our sin, having no strength to save ourselves, Christ died for us. The ungodly sinners, we were the enemy of God when Christ died for us. This is for all of us. All of us were the enemy of God when he died for us. It's important, again, for us to understand really the state of mankind when Jesus died for us. 
And it's interesting here in this latter part, latter part of verse 6, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The timing of Christ's death is perfect. God's timing is perfect in all things because he's perfect. He's not you. He's not me. He doesn't have a, a faltering thought. He doesn't go, well, I wonder if I really did the right thing there. That's not how he thinks. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. David Guzik mentions this. The world was prepared spiritually, economically, linguistically, politically, philosophically, and geographically for the coming of Jesus and the spread of the gospel. The timing was perfect. I want you to think about this, you guys, just for a minute. For Christ to have been crucified when he was, he would have had to have been born at just the right time and lived in as an adult when the Roman Empire was in power. They, the Roman Empire, were the ones that had perfected the horrific death penalty of crucifixion. The pride of the Jewish people in their religious system created the opposition needed for them to hand Jesus over to Pilate demanding his crucifixion. When he was born, the season was good for travel. He wasn't born in December, most likely in spring. The wise men were there that, that, that were part of it. The shepherds were part of it. All the things that happened were happened perfectly in God's timing when Christ came. From Christ's birth to his life, to his death, to his resurrection, all of it just the right time so that the world would know that God has such love for them that he sent his one and only son to die for ungodly mankind. And the timing was so perfect for the gospel to go out into the world by people, common people like you and me. So that we that are sitting here in this room would have the truth in front of us, which is the Bible. Today, the fact that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for ungodly people is so amazing. And God's timing is so perfect. Not one thing is out of God's timing. Not one. We may feel like things are out of timing. We may feel frustrated. We may be discouraged and have all sorts of things. We talked about that last week. Tribulation produces character, character, hope. Perseverance is in there too. I mix those up, sorry. But it's amazing what we see here just in verse six. When we are still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Remember that, you guys. Write that down on your notes or wherever. God's timing is perfect. And that's hard sometimes. It's difficult to know that. That's why we need to stay close with him, read the Bible and pray and be in fellowship. Verse 7 of Romans chapter 5, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. So we see here in verse 7 that hardly at all will someone give their life for a person that is righteous or in other words, innocent. Even if someone lived an innocent life, hardly anyone at all would die for that person. A good person, someone that is known for being loving and kind and, and maybe someone, you know, that, that motivated people, that had this, you know, outward expression of, of goodness and everything, somebody might die for that person. 
this person that motivated people to go to great lengths, and they, they might motivate someone to die you know, for them. But these are speculative questions that really uncover the truth that even a righteous person or a good person, it would be very rare for someone to die for these people. But yet the one who's perfect, the Lamb of God, chose to die for us while we're without strength, chose to die for us in verse 8 while we're sinners. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to, if you have a Bible, I want you to underline God demonstrates his own love toward and put your name there. That word demonstrate, what does that word mean? It's an action word. It's a revealing word. It's a word that, 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 that someone doesn't just sit there and say something. They actually put action to their cause. It's a word that means to establish. It's a word that means reveal. It's a word that means to show. So if we read verse 8 with that understanding, God showed his own love toward us. He showed it. He didn't hide it under a rock. He didn't put it under a basket. He literally showed the world his love. If you go into ancient Chinese writings, did you know that there is historical writings of a bright star that was in the sky for many, many, many days? God revealed his plan and who he is to the world not just from the Bible, literally physical. People saw the things that God wanted the world to see. And then the Bible is inerrant. It, it is the word of God. It is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. This is not a book written by man. This is a book written by the Holy Spirit through men that were willing to die for what they believed in. And so we see here in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God established, he revealed, he showed his personal love that was in our direction for us. Listen, you guys, God's love was in your personal direction. His love was not for the trees or the birds or the bees or the dogs or the cats the whales or any other created thing on this planet or off of this planet for that matter or the planet itself. God's love is not towards those things at all. They may be nice and sweet and cool and great in our eyes, but when it comes to God demonstrating his personal love, it is in your direction and nowhere else. Some of us need to hear that today. And I trust the Holy Spirit is speaking into your soul about it. This love is unlike any other love in the universe. This demonstration of God's love toward us occurred before we heard the gospel which is the good news of Jesus. It occurred before we prayed 
any prayer. It occurred before we turned from sin and repentance. It occurred before we went to any church service. It occurred before we raised our hand to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It occurred before we went down to the altar. It occurred before we went to the river to be baptized. It occurred before any concept that you ever had of God. God showed his love through Jesus. You did nothing. God did everything because he loves you. We are nothing. He gave us everything because he loves us. God showed his personal love for you and I while we were sinners living ungodly, separated lives from God. His perfect love, his powerful love, his cleansing love, his redeeming love, his love that washes away our sins was revealed to all the sinful world when Christ died for us. That's what verse 8 is. Christ died for us sinners, us ungodly, us hypocrites, us slanderers, us hateful, us bitter people, us that are backbiters, us prideful and arrogant human beings. And I am not calling you guys out on this. I'm saying this is the state of mankind when Jesus died for them. These human beings as us, thinking we have some sort of good to offer God, and yet the reality is, is that he offered us the most amazing goodness ever in all of the universe, and it's his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what verse 8 is. If you really look at verse 8, and you take the totality of what it's saying, but God demonstrated his own love, not your love, not your concept of his love, not your reading the Bible, not your memorizing scripture, not your church service, not your preaching the gospel, not your evangelism, none of that. He personally demonstrated his own love towards you. And it's agape love. It's a love that covers it's a love that redeems. It's a love that draws us to repentance. It's not a love that hammers us down. God loves you all so much. He loves us so much. Because while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the state of being separated from God, in the state, listen, you guys. There was so much anger and so much animosity towards Jesus when he was crucified. And Jesus knew that what he was going to experience was horrific because he was going to wear our sin. He wore your sin, my sin. He wore it upon him. God the Father placed all of the sin of the world upon his son at the cross. And so when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying fervently, to the point of where his sweat turned into drops of blood. In other words, he was under such excruciating duress the way he was praying. And he said, Father, not your will. I mean, not my will, but your will be done. And he was thinking of you. And he was thinking of me. Because he went to such great extremes for us so that we would experience the love of God in our life. 
so that we would experience the peace of God in our life. Do you experience that? Or is it, I'm, I'm serious, I want you to think about that. Lord, am I experiencing peace and, and, and satisfaction inside of my soul? I'm not talking about bills getting paid. Those are frustrating or relationships going to be frustrating and all those, the minutia of life can be frustrating. I'm talking about the creator of the universe, you having peace with him. Jesus gives that to us because of the work of the cross. And it's amazing how we read through Romans chapter five in these short verses. And the reality is, is that we did nothing to earn his love. How many of you guys have had somebody just give you a gift ever and like you, you really feel like you don't deserve it? I have. You know, and you go, oh, no, 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 no. That's pride. But if you receive it, how do you feel? Grateful, humble, loved, thought of like somebody came alongside of your life, huh? Considered. But, if, but have, have those people gone to the extent of actually giving their life for you and dying for you? That's what Paul kind of wrote about in these, the first couple of verses here, where it says that, uh, you know, a righteous person, maybe somebody might die, not die for them, but a good person, somebody might die for them. He's putting into context the reality is that we're not going to die for people. And the only person that had the right not to die for anybody was God. And so in the face of these scriptures, we should be humbled and just receive the love that God has for us because he gave us his son, a free gift. The most amazing thing, Jesus, the son of God, died for us. He didn't need to. He wanted to. God had every right to not allow mankind to continue. You go and read Genesis. The first two people distrusted God's word and sin came into the world. The first two brothers, one murdered the other one. Not too long after they built a tower trying to reach to God, the Tower of Babel, and that's where all of our languages come from. Then God said that he was upset with all the world and sorry that he actually created anybody and the flood happened. And then when Noah created an altar and then sweet smelling incense arose to God's nostrils and he, was, and, 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 it, and it caused joy for his heart and he, and he gave us a rainbow to promise that he would never destroy the earth ever again. It's not about gay people. That's Satan's agenda to try and make it that. The rainbow is because God loves us and will never destroy the earth through a flood again. God has a personality and he wants us to know that he loves us and he's for us. And so then we even see in verse 9 of Romans chapter 5, where Paul continuing to write, much more than, I love this, in these scriptures, it's almost like you're like, hey, you got this, and you got this. Not only did Christ die for us while we were yet sinners, much more than having now, listen, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, that was shed on the cross of Calvary. You didn't do it. Jesus did it. The act of Christ being crucified justified sinners. That's why angels look at us and go, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Why in the world do you give so much grace to these human beings that hate you? Because in one hand, God has to call sin, sin and judge it. In the other hand, he loves us 
just as much. And you put those together and Jesus bled for that so that we would be saved. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of the totality of God's love for me. It's why we have church. It's why we sing songs. It's why we go out and share people these silly little tracks that talk about Jesus. Not to look good or like, hey, I'm trying to get my opinion on you. But because the most amazing love story was written in time when Jesus was born, even before then, the proto-evangelism in, in Genesis. The scarlet thread all through history. All through Jesus' bloodline. It's amazing what we gain. But back to verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Not only are we justified, listen, you guys, we are saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. There's two pieces here in verse 9 that we need to understand. Justified, okay? That word means to justify. It means to vindicate or to declare righteous. When Jesus died for you and I, he literally declared before the God of heaven that you are righteous because of his blood. That's what justification is. I don't always live in that, but we need to be living in it and reminded of this. Because if this becomes part of our identity, then all of the other negativity can go away. If the God of the universe looks at me and says that I am justified, then why am I worried about other things? My perspective's off if I'm worried about other things. This word justified, vindicate, declare righteous. Think of being before a judge. You know that you're guilty. The judge knows that you're guilty. The jury knows that you're guilty. But then all of a sudden, this person comes in and appeals to the judge, asking to take your place. And you're standing there with a life sentence in front of this judge and jury. The judge looks at you and then at this savior of your life that has entered into the courthouse. And the judge declares that you are justified because this other person is now serving your life sentence. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. Because of this person, you now have been declared free and righteous or having a right standing before this judge. You have been justified. This is how it is for the believer in Jesus Christ. He or she stands before God justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus stepped into the courtroom of God and said to his father on the cross of Calvary, I have taken the place for, and put your name in there. I've taken the place of Brian. I've taken the place of Tony. I've taken the place of Atreyu, of Bill, Richard, Aaron, Dominic, Piper, Amy, I've taken their place. I took your place on the cross because God has to condemn sin. And without Jesus, all of mankind would have been condemned. So Jesus steps into this courthouse and the proceeding started when he was in the garden and he knew what he was gonna do at the cross. 
He's taken our place. And because the shed blood of Jesus Christ, because of that, we stand justified, not only that, but saved from wrath through Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is not for those that are believers. The wrath of God is poured out on ungodly and unrighteous people. So we see in verse 9, not only do we stand in the courtroom before a true and holy God, justified, right, standing, holy because of Jesus. Our future is 100% saved because of him. Now, is that once saved, always saved? Absolutely, I believe that 100%. Does that mean that you're gonna fall off the apple truck once in a while? Yep, you are. Yes, the power of sin and death was destroyed at the cross, but we still have a sinful nature. Once we have a relationship with Jesus, we are no longer controlled by the power of sin. We can choose it and be caught up in it and reap the consequences of it, but your salvation is secured in the righteousness and holiness of God and through the power of the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. And our future is secured so that we will not be receiving the wrath of God. And these are things that you and I can't do on ourselves. Go all the way back. While we're weak, without strength, we can't do these things on our own. But through Jesus we receive this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, that's what sin does, it separates us. You who once were far off have been brought near by what? By Christendom, by church services, by tithing and offerings, by money, by evangelism, by youth rallies, none of that by the blood of Christ. 1 John 1, 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, in other words, if we follow after Jesus the same way he followed the Lord God, the same way he was, if we are actively living, we have fellowship with one another, there's unity, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Can you say amen to that? I need to be reminded that the blood of Jesus literally washes away my sins. You know what? There was a hole over here the other day that Atreyu and his other friend dug because we had a broken pipe and I got to do the dirty work. This hole was like up to my knees and we had a broken pipe and it was full of mud. Well, what do you do to fix a pipe? You got to get in the hole. And so I was wearing these shoes and Tony was like, oh, you should go barefoot. I don't want to go barefoot in the mud. So I'm wearing these shoes and the water's turned off here. And, 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 and my feet were like clods, like these were, mud was filled inside and it was nasty. And it was just goopy, ooky mud that had been sitting there for two days. And there was no water because we had to turn the water main off. And so what did I have to do? Thank God Gina had talked to a neighbor and she's like, oh, I got a water hose over here. So I got to wash my feet off. Just like Jesus in our life, his blood cleanses us from the dirt of sin. Unless water was on my feet, they wouldn't be clean. 
Unless we allow Jesus to be part of our life and the Lord of our life and the Savior of our life and trust him at his word, you aren't clean. You can't clean yourself. And this is an amazing thing too. The latter part of verse nine, you're like, oh my gosh, we're only on verse nine? Saved from wrath. So we have justification through Jesus Christ saves us from the wrath of God. His justification, what Jesus Christ did on the cross saves us from the wrath of God. Those that are ungodly and unrighteous are under God's wrath. Without Jesus, you are standing under God's wrath now today. It's a positional thing. You say, well, where's the time and the clock and I got time? No, we have a, 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 a soul that's in us that is eternal. And God doesn't, isn't confined by a clock or the calendar or the seasons. He sees us for who we are and what we are in eternity. And so without Jesus' righteousness being upon our life, when we accept Christ into our life, Without that, we stand before God and his wrath is against us because he has to place his wrath and judgment upon sin. And unless Jesus is in your life, you don't have the righteousness of God. When, when a Christian has Christ in their life, God looks at you and sees Jesus because the Holy Spirit lives in you. We talked about that a few weeks ago, actually a month ago or so, that the righteousness of God is imputed, in other words, placed into the believer. So it's amazing that we're not only saved by being justified, but we're saved from the wrath of God through Christ. Romans chapter one, verse 18 says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Continually sinning suppresses the truth. That's why sin is so prevalent in our world because the reality is that people want to Shut God up. They want to shut Christians up. They want to shut churches down. Go to Canada. They're, they're taking Christians off the street right now, 2023. Go to Australia, the same thing. I'm just waiting for it to happen in America. I've asked that question before. Unless our life is solidified on Jesus and solidified in his word, in his word when that happens, what are we going to do? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. God's wrath is real. It's a real thing. And those that decide, back to Romans 1.18, expounding on the wrath of God for uh, Romans 5 verse 9 at the latter part, God's wrath is a real thing. And those that decide to live out their lives, and I mean live out their lives in an, ungod, in an, an ungodliness and in unrighteousness will experience God's wrath. It's a horrible thing. But those that have made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life receive justification and are saved from God's wrath. It's a beautiful thing that we receive. This is another benefit that we receive as Christians from the Lord. In verse 10 of Romans chapter five, continuing, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life.
It's amazing that we have here in verse 10, we have two parts of this as well. While an enemy of God, our position with him was changed through the death of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? God changed our position. It's just there for the accepting. It's that free gift I talked about. But he changed the position of mankind through the death of Jesus Christ. Through the unmeasurable, unearned grace of God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. While we were in opposition and weakness, unable to do anything to save ourselves, God, through his son, Jesus, made happen what we could not do. And if this is what Christ's death for us accomplished, saving us from our sin and the wrath of God, while we were in our sin, that through Christ's death, we are reconciled to God. In other words, reunited to him. This is the act of what the crucifixion of Jesus did. Whether you accept it or not is another story. I, I went to hand this to somebody yesterday and I said, hey, this is about Jesus. And he, he went to reach it and then he closed his fist. And he said, I, I know, I know not enough about him. So being the annoying kid that I am, what do you know about him? And he said, that's personal, and he walked off. And so I prayed for him. But there will be people in life that have a closed fist to Jesus. That doesn't negate what Jesus did on the cross for us. So we can be presented Christ all our life and still say, yeah, no, it's not me, not mine. But as believers, it's amazing. Our future is solidified in him. His life saves us. I like how one commentator states this. If his death had such power to save us, how much more will his life have power to keep us? See, God doesn't just save us from our sins, save us from the, the wrath of God or, or the impending doom of, of going to hell after we die. He actually keeps us. Kind of like, you know, if you have kids, and I, some of you do, some of you don't. But I think of my kids, like, I keep them, like, I protect them, like, I'm mindful of them. Like, if you touch them, you're, it's, we're probably not going to be good. But I encourage them, and I want to be in their life, and I want their lives to be built up, and I want them to see God to be real, and I want them to have good attributes in their life, and I'm always mindful of those things about them. And if I'm a human being, and I think about my kids that way, and once we become a Christian, we become a child of God, how can God think of us any less than what we think of our own kids? He can. He thinks of us even more. The power to keep us. Closing in verse 11, and not only that, I love it. It's like, and, and here you go. Here's some more. The benefits of our relationship with God through Jesus is amazing. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So Paul goes through, you can't do this. Christ died for you while you're a sinner. It's impossible for you to earn this. He did this for you. Here's the reality of the power of the cross. Here's the power of what 
happens. You're reconciled. You have justification. You're not condemned. And then in verse 11, it speaks of what happens in a believer's life when they receive Jesus, a person's life. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now there's that word now, received the reconciliation. The verses prior to 11, speaking of the reconciliation, and now in verse 11, we're able to rejoice because we've received this reconciliation. It's something for you and I to take and have and own. All of this that Jesus Christ did for us through his death and his life in verse 11 is the verse that shows that we are to receive God's provision of love. We're to receive his provision of justification. We're to receive his provision of saving us from his wrath. We're to receive his provision of reconciliation. We're to receive his provision of saving us through to the end. Do you trust him? See, you can sit and listen to the preaching and teaching of the Bible and nod your head, yes, all through the sermon. You can read the Bible and agree with what it says about how Jesus Christ died for your sins and has conquered the power of sin and death, eliminating the separation between God and man, which separates humans from God. You can agree with it all. But it is when we open our hearts, humble ourselves and say yes to Jesus Christ and say yes to God's provision for our salvation. This is when we receive, I'm sorry, this is when we rejoice in God through Jesus Christ because now we receive the reconciliation that God provided through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. We need to receive the reconciliation. Colossians chapter one, I'm going to read this and close. I know we're going a little over. I'm going to close with Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. What we receive through Jesus is amazing. It's the most beautiful gift. Don't discount it ever. God, thank you so much for each and every person here. Thank you for your love for them. Thank you for the great reminder, God, that you love us so much that while we are sinners, you died for us. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that anybody in this room, Lord, maybe that doesn't know you, that you would prick their heart, Lord, to draw, you would draw them unto you, Lord. If they need prayer after service, we're here to pray for them. 
Just thank you, Lord God. Thank you for each and every person here, God. As we close in this last song, may we just meditate on your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.